Hello and welcome to the Light Reading Podcast. My name is Phil Harvey. I'm an editor here at Light Reading. And I'm Kelsey Zeiser. I'm also an editor at Light Reading. Yes, you are. Hi, Kelsey. How's it going? <laughs> Good. <laughs> Glad we got that identity crisis solved. <laughs> now you know who's talking. But yes. what are they talking about? Well, we're talking about 5G, of course. Um, because we've been living with 5G a while, and yet people are not, uh, you know, as as over the moon about it as they used to be. And we'll get into discussing a little bit about why that is, and maybe what operators have to do to improve the 5G experience. Yeah, so we're talking with on. Uh, I'm probably going to butcher her last name, but Sylvia Kashish. Uh, she's a principal analyst with uh, Ookla, which um, people probably know for their speed test information. And she wrote an interesting blog recently about um, 5G and why uh, performance and reliability uh, is so important to uh, consumers. And because, you know, we heard when, when 5G launched, all the hype about um supporting self-driving cars and remote surgery yeah. and you know, yeah. some use cases that were like, do we really want remote surgery? I don't know about that. Well, but, uh, <laughs> all those use cases kind of came up again when Apple started talking about the vision pro, uh, headset, you know, uh, uh, augmented reality thing. There was, um, there was just a flurry of discussion around, oh, you know, a device like that, if it could be five, if it could be on the 5G network, it could really fulfill the promise of 5G and all that. And so all of those use cases came back. And in those discussions too, which kind of prompted this a little bit was people just sort of saying the reality of like, hey, I don't know about you guys, but my, my, phone serve my smartphone service isn't any better than it was a few years ago <laughs> yeah. you know it's like so I don't, I don't know how this new headset's going to help you know that sort of thing and so i think the industry does have to kind of re, you know is in a multi-year recovery from the hype around 5g now we have to build uh, you know networks that truly are low latency and truly have um offer excellent service. And I guess I'll say it like that because which metric you use is kind of up to where you're at and what you're doing, but it has to be excellent service throughout the, the experience. And that's kind of the thing we honed in on in this interview in particular is like what, what kind of components make up uh, an ideal 5G service. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Sylvia had some interesting um, insights on what kind of, um, you know, benefits that operators will get from using different types of spectrum and kind of where the sweet spot is uh, there. And then also, uh, we talked a little bit about, you know, frustrations around indoor and outdoor coverage as well, which is ongoing. And I yes, have my indeed. own personal frustrations. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And we gave you uh, uh, some some good uh, examples of where you can use your speed test app and actually put the uh, put the network to use and get some reporting data. So uh, uh, get your speed test app out, fire it up and uh, enjoy this interview with uh, uh, Ookla's very own Sylvia Kashish. Okay, Sylvia Kashish, thank you so much for uh, joining the podcast. Good to have you. Great to be here. Thank you for the invite. No problem at all. So we're talking about 5G. Um, I, I want to kind of take the, and I know this is sort of more of a, a lazy way to get into the discussion, but it's it's on my mind because here in the US, we are just getting bombarded with commercials about um, uh, 
about telecom companies bragging about which one has the best network. Um, so they went from having, uh, you know, we're, we have 5G and we're covered nationwide to now there's like a, a little more of a messaging around, you know, our network is better. No, our network is better and that sort of thing. And it seems like you're the ideal person to ask this question. Um, what do you think makes for a good 5G experience or an ideal 5G experience? Sure. And thank you for asking the question. I think um, just to start with 5G, we've heard a lot what 5G should be. And it's been massively overhyped before it has been launched. So it's supposed to, you know, we've heard all these wonderful use cases, what we can do with 5G, but we still haven't seen the killer app for 5G. So, you know, with 4G, you had video streaming, you had Mm -hmm. uh, web browsing and so on, like, smartphones came to life so you could really see the massive improvement that 4g brought with 5g it's a bit of like eh, you know it's a little bit better but it's not massively better so you know why 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 should i care so with 5g obviously we're at the stage when we're talking about enhanced mobile broadband so don't gonna bore you with, with details i mean obviously knows what it is but we're talking about faster faster speeds um but really when 5g can come and, and, and offer on the promises is when we talk more about the latency, we talk about reliability, we talk about, you know, some of the critical IoT use cases, you know, when latency matters, the, the robots, the, you know, autonomous driving, no, not maybe cars driving, but, you know, um, yeah. some of the equipment driving and so on, and, and really talking about additional benefits. So for consumer, it's quite hard to see what is 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 the benefit at the moment because you, we have really good 5G networks, but we we see that 5G performance very much depends on the spectrum in use. So we've we've done a bit, bit of a um, um, study. Obviously, I work for Ucla. We have a lot of crowdsourced data that you know we, we talk yep. about. We're happy to share and so on. And we, we've taken a look at the US and in general what we can see in terms of 5G performance. And that was done based on the Q4 data of last year. So we have analyzed what is going on especially in, in the in, in the US. So when Minter Wave is used, so you know, talking about the high high bands, um the speeds, 5G speeds are almost 1.6 gigabits per second, median 5G down speed. So you're really talking extremely fast speeds. When you then think about low bands, the speeds are much more much lower. So so twenty six times slower than minute wave, and then seven times so minute wave was seven times faster than than C band, and four times faster than mid band. You know you can read the article if you want all the details, but that's why it really matters. You know spectrum is really what is driving the performance. So minute wave is great. But it costs mm-hmm. operators a lot of money to deploy because you really have to have extremely densified network. And it's not necessarily the most cost-efficient way of deploying things. Well-suited to deploy in stadiums when you really want to have this critical performance. And you probably have heard you know, AT&T's Verizon saying they have deployed minute wave at the stadium so you can have right. really good experience and so on. And mm-hmm. we've seen that, we've heard that. So spectrum is extremely important, but... Maybe not in the US, but in other countries, developing countries, we've seen that the underlying infrastructure is as critical as that. So if you don't have good fiber back home, 
you're not going to have really good 5G because right. you're not going to be able to support your base stations and so on. And and, and yeah. this is really fascinating because we, we're talking about 5G, but it is really about what 5G can bring. So we should really not only talk about speed, so, you know, being faster, slowest, how good is your experience as, as a customer, right? So it's with yeah. 5G, we, we also have to talk about reliability. Is your network reliable? So yeah, that, that's a great point because I, I think in the in this it, it is interesting too because you make a great point about the millimeter wave being deployed in stadiums and to be fair those places are incredibly well wired and the experience inside the stadium is great and then the disconnect comes when you're going to the parking lot and suddenly you can't get a signal very well or you know you're you're trying to upload a video and you're like wow when i was sitting at my seat it was super quick and now i'm out in the parking lot and it's not great at all so that has a you know that that's a great uh example i think of of a consumer changing uh spectrum you know they were they, now now they're outside they're hitting that low band spectrum they're not hitting that millimeter wave that high high frequency spectrum so it's 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 still 5g on their on their device but it's yeah. it's a completely different experience, and I think I think you set set up the conversation well because yeah, it's it's really about the overall experience from you know uh, keep first of all maintaining the connectivity, but second of all um, maintaining the latency throughout, and I think that's the tr really tricky part. Um, so uh, so you've hit on one of the things, obviously, or two of the things. It's got to be um, you've got to be have the right mix of spectrum. And then you've also got to have the right infrastructure in place to support whatever service you're trying to deliver. Um, that's, sure. yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a lot going on there. So I, I guess it has, it, uh, you know, I guess the, um, uh, the, the telecom industry kind of has to simplify the messaging for the, <laughs> in the case of advertising, <laughs> but I can see how, can, I can certainly see how, how and why consumers are frustrated because, they get a very uneven experience depending on where they are and what they're trying to do. And in the 4G world, it never really felt like that. It felt like the cons the, the experience was more consistent across the board. Um, so I guess it kind of comes down to what the what the best mix of spectrum is. Um, do, do you have an opinion on that? Like what uh, what what spectrum bands are are best for uh, for 5G? Sure, and I mean we keep on saying uh, keep on saying that C band is the so-called sweet spot for 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 five G in terms of the capacity and and, and coverage, um, but you know you also get very different experience depending on how much actual spectrum operator has. So again, we did right. analysis and we've seen that those um, operators that have at least 100 megahertz of, of contiguous C-band spectrum, they do tend to have better experience uh, for the end users. They tend to uh, have extremely fast speed. So in, in excess of 300 megabits per second medium download speed. So we, we again, we call them the 5G leaders. Um, so so those high performance, for sure, they have the, the CPAN spectrum, good allocation CPAN spectrum, but, and they're starting to, to try and test new to wave as in when it's, it's needed. Um, but I wouldn't want to... This, uh, dismiss the, the low band spectrum, which is extremely important. So the low band in the US is 600 in, and across Europe is 700. Uh, extremely important in reaching, reaching areas that outside of the urban, uh, urban areas. 
Because mm-hmm. low band, again, you're not going to get extremely fast speeds. You're going to probably get up to 100 megabits per second medium download speed, which is more than you actually need to it's do most of, yeah. of the things. And unless you want to participate in the metaverse <laughs> class or yoga class or whatever you want to do. Right. But uh, it really does extend and, and goes outside because you don't need um, as, as, as many base stations to be able to propagate the signal further. And, and what is really interesting is it's a lot of countries have, when they're signing spectrum, 5G spectrum, they also set operators certain targets and goals in terms of achieving population coverage. And, and what we also have seen, especially across Europe, is for those operators to be able to reach those goals, they can't necessarily do it only using C-band. So they have to rely on low-band spectrum. Therefore, the performance decreases. So we've seen across Europe, quite a lot of op- uh, countries um, seeing a median year-on-year median speed decreasing as a result because they have to adhere to regulatory obligations in terms of providing coverage as as you know 50 60 70 percent population coverage so so they're using low band spectrum to be able to to meet those um those those targets as well but a good mix of spectrum is very important also you probably you know being in the us you have an advantage of the net, network sunsetting already happening but across Europe, across the rest of the across the world, you know, three G networks are being rapidly shut down. Two um, G networks they still have to stay online because of some random M two M use cases, and 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 in in the UK, um, sorry, in in the EU, especially you have the e call that relies either on two G or three G, so you have to be able to have those um, networks in place. But you can reform either 2G or 3G networks for 4G and 5G. And this is more efficient use of those spectrum bands than for the legacy networks that they're literally, you know, we're looking at, at the reports that operators have, they count between like upwards of 1%, but not much of the traffic, yet they consume a lot of energy when it comes to, uh, when it comes to um, network. I'll yeah, pause. and you you wrote a, a bit about that um, in a recent blog post about sunsetting uh, some traditional or, or legacy networks. Um, what, what are your some of your thoughts on how operators can do that in an efficient and sustainable way? Sure. So I think um, we see operators shutting down, especially three G three G networks um, across Europe. You know, this is happening in the US. US has been happening. Um, and there's been a study done that um, 5G networks are more energy efficient. So some study was done between 30 to 40% more energy efficient than, than 2G, 3G networks. So that obviously makes sense. Um, but in terms of the way operators do it, obviously they have to plan in advance. So there is always a long-term strategy. It's between five to six years in advance. The operators make a decision. Yes, we're going to sunset the network. Uh, they have to let know the, the customers, uh, you know, enterprise customers. Um, consumers, they often have to be brought onto different plans. Quite often it's, it's done via subsidies just to make sure that Everybody has access to networks, so that it has to be a longer term strategy. But pretty much 
every single operator right now has a net zero strategy, how to become more sustainable. And sunsetting legacy network is one way of doing that. Other ways operators are doing that, the, the switching off um, the, the tower assets when, when not in use. Um, but, but, but for sure, the, the good strategy is to analyze um, what proportion of your users are on legacy networks and they're making decisions um, what it makes sense. So obviously we can see on on um, across the consumers that um, take the speed test, we can see whether on 2G, 3G, 4G, and 5G. So we have a good idea of the distribution between between the users. And increasingly, obviously, there's 4G and 5G when less and less people be on 2G and 3G networks. But yeah, it's it's a longer term strategy. It can't be, you can't just switch it off because there's other people rely, especially, you know, emergency services um, on, on, on those networks. Yeah, it's um, that's a that's an interesting point about the uh, the transition. It has to happen uh, eventually. But in in the whole um, move off of legacy networks, um, does uh, does your data show that there's there's more legacy network activity? I'm I'm curious as to whether there's more in Europe than there is in the U.S. in terms of whether operators are holding on to assets a little bit longer in one place versus the other. Um, that's something I'll have to look into. It's a, it's kind of a, a th- that's a bit of a, a, that, that might require some digging. <laughs> um, in terms of switching on 2G and 3G networks? Yeah. Or just in terms of like, yeah, what consumers are actually connected to, you know, like, yeah, whether, mm. they're, whether they're still using more legacy networks in Europe versus the other places because of the, the, uh, infrastructure uh, or the regulatory requirements and that sort of thing. In the U S it seems like. Um, because of all the mergers and stuff that's happened, and there's just so few providers that they moved everybody off of legacy networks pretty quickly. Um, yeah, yeah, and and also Spectrum is um, such a crucial resource, so you can reform it, and obviously that makes sense. I mean, yeah. uh, lots of operators provide it. So I recently I was looking at the um, BT consumer so EE report. Uh, so they were saying that 3G is accounting for carries less than 1% of total data, but it consumes 35% of EE's mobile network power. So, so when you wow. look at that, okay. that's what they say in the actual report and saying, so when they're saying when they're going to switch off 3G, which is in January 2024, so next year, okay. um, they will manage to reduce the power consumption and carbon footprint by 40 eight six five zero thousand metric tons of co2 so you see the immediate impact that switching off legacy network has and and um in the u.s obviously less carriers you know much faster to switch off so 2g has been switched off quite a while back in in, across europe obviously i mentioned eco that's a bit of a barrier to switching off um, either 2g and 3g but by 2030 i think most countries will have to make a plan what is that they're doing with the legacy networks because we, we simply from from the environmental point of view we can't we can't be running that many networks at the same time it's it's a is a cost right um, cost um, drain on, on the operators um, yeah. really limited budget uh and b is just not not efficient yeah and having the competition is great for consumers but having that you know, that environmental impact is not great for the world. So we have to kind of have strike a strike a balance somewhere in there. Um, I'm also curious about since you guys get consumer data, 
um, if the consumer experience on 5G networks in Europe is 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 are the two uh, is Europe on par with the U.S. in terms of the 5G experience, or is one uh, a little bit ahead of the other? Um, I, because I, I ask that because I, I recall that when I um, when I traveled more frequently to Europe um, in the 4G world, <laughs> the 4G networks were always way better uh, in Europe. Um, I would always get uh, a, be- a better better connection, be able to hold the connection longer, was able to do more more data and stuff like that. And then in the U.S., it was very, very hit and miss. Um, it was good in cities and not so good outside of the city. Um, I'm curious if 5G has made, if, if, if things are different uh, in, in the 5G universe. It, 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 I would say it depends. <laughs> it depends where in Europe because obviously you have oh, right, yeah. uh, states. But um, what is quite interesting, so we measure obviously 5G performance when you think about median download upload speed, but we also have this metric called 5G availability, which is the per- percentage of users on 5G capable devices that spend most of the time with access to 5G networks. So am I actually surprising here that the US is amongst the top countries? So again, because of, of having first deployed low band spectrum and having right. a lot of smartphones, the most people actually got yeah, that's my Apple Watch. Most people actually have <laughs> most people have access to five G smartphones that can connect to five G networks, which is not the case in, in in Europe necessarily. I'm not talking about the speeds. I'm just talking about being able to to connect and having connected to five G. You know, in in um, in Europe, we have the likes of Switzerland, Denmark, uh, right. so smaller, flatter countries that's yeah. easier to cover, that, that come similarly. But again, what is quite interesting, I recently looked at the um, performance in Switzerland, and I've seen, again, because of the regulatory obligations, um, while the, the coverage has massively increased, the performance has decreased. Because again, you have you have this finite balance between in a low band, mid band spectrum, what do you deploy? How do you deploy, and so on? So that's that's very interesting. But in terms of performance, it depends where you go. It's not uniform experience. So yeah. obviously, cities. Um, if you're in the middle of Leicester Square, you probably depends on time of day. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. It could be go. great because there's you exactly. know you're in a, in the middle of a populated city, but it could also be yeah. worse because there's more people using the network. So yeah, it could be. And also depends whether operators deploy it small size. So quite often you see because you want to obviously densify networks and especially center of London, you want to have this amazing experience. Um, yeah. There's good amount of uh, densification going on. So that's that is probably you might be better off. But yeah, I'm I'm, I'm not sure. I I, I I want to say I can tell you about the median speed, but in terms of consumer experience, that that pretty much depends depends where you go. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, just it was just kind of a curiosity of mine because I was like, yeah, because we've had this sort of in Europe, they're they reg- in a regulatory basis, they're trying so hard to continue to foster competition, and in the U.S., we've just given up on that. You know, it's like we basically have a couple of default providers, and you have to pick one or the other, and there's not really any choice. And you know, they're kind of the national providers, and so you. So I'm wondering if that fewer choices but more assets <laughs> if that helps if that ends up being a better deal for consumers or or worse because you know they when when they get fed up with one carrier they really don't have that many other uh places they can go 
And then of course the other complicating it further is the fact that the, the, the one carrier that's supposed to be on a, um, non-legacy network, you know, dish, which has been set up to be this, you know, cloud-based cloud native thing, they're having financial difficulties and, you know, all kinds of problems setting up their network. And so for the most part, they're still running on T-Mobile. Uh, um, so they're not even, um, fully, uh, self-sustaining at the moment, you know, in terms of getting consumers on their network and, uh, pricing them competitively. So, yeah, it's just a just a big time. Uh, 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 yeah, I guess a lack of competition and a lack of price disparity in the in the in the U.S. Uh, Kelsey, any other? Look, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Look at it from a different perspective. Here in the U.K., you have very different problem. You have operators planning to merge, so Vodafone and Three um, being talks for many many years simply because. They're saying it's too much competition, and, and they can't they, right. they cannot carry on investing into into networks and five G deployment as 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 it is, and it's a growing trend across telecoms uh, MNAs. Just because if if you have quite a few carriers and they're trying to compete, as you said, on price, they're trying to compete in terms of the the experience. It, it, it is very difficult, and if you don't have a fixed network to fall back onto, and you can't offer a converged deal. That is very tricky to be a mobile-only operator at the moment. Um, it is possible. We've seen three across a number of countries doing pretty well, but they have a very different challenger strategy. So that very much depends on the strategy, strategy the operator has. But you know, competition, genuine competition is 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 good. <laughs> we are in these wonderful times of a um, bit of a financial crisis where where operators cannot cannot carry on investing, um, they have to come together and, and just make financial sense of everything that's going on. Yeah, I was just uh, kind of curious if if Ukla has um, data on, uh, I, I guess, looking at speed tests, indoor versus outdoor coverage. I know I still have a lot of trouble in some indoor environments with connectivity and it gets really frustrating because I'll be turning on and off the Wi-Fi and like trying everything to make it work. And I just like throw my phone back in my purse. I'm like, whatever, <laughs> just deal with this later. But uh, <laughs> any thoughts on how um, I guess 5G performance is improving or not improving fast enough uh, indoor? Yeah, that's that's a very tricky question because obviously that again depends on on the spectrum that you're using. And in all honesty, the outdoor coverage is going to be better than indoor coverage. Um, it's just the propagation and and so on. And we actually so so Ukla is an umbrella for quite a lot of different companies. So Speedtest, you probably all know Speedtest. I hope you're all using Speedtest. But we also have a Always, we also yep. have a protocol. Yeah, good, good. Um, cell analytics where you can see how the performance varies, and it's a really fascinating tool. You can see how the performance varies depending on which level, which which floor you're at. So if you have a really tall buildings. The performance obviously degrades the, the the higher up you get, and you, in in the store you can also see, um, let's say shopping malls. Shopping malls typically have a really bad customer experience. I have one shopping mall next to me when literally as soon as I walk in, that's it. You know, you cannot call me. I cannot check out. You know, what is I wanted to buy online? So it is. There is still lots of issues with with propagation, but it's not only related to five G in, in in general. 
um, it's it's network uh, design, and you know, obviously, we we work a lot with operators, trying to show them identify the areas where um, the signal is is not that good. But back to your point about indoor and outdoor, we also see a massive, uh, big digital uh, gap, digital divide when it comes to urban rural. So you know, you can be on the outskirts of a city, getting very low speeds compared to to your neighbor that's literally a couple of streets down. That's that 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 has much better speed. So so again, we we can very much see how the performance varies depending on where you are, and that's again back to how the network is built and and how it is whether or not it's being monitored and 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 uh, ensure that efficiently performing efficiently as as we speak but yeah i i hear you on the indoor coverage issue yeah we're still struggling with that unfortunately yeah, it can be really frustrating sometimes there's there's one store um that i frequent a lot and i, I can never well i'll just name it is target and <laughs> i can i'm always trying to access their yeah surprise i'm there all the time but i'm always trying to access their app because you know they have coupons and things yeah. that you want to use when you check out but then i can't i can't get it to work and just like come on that's a great <laughs> so it's a great uh kind of conundrum that that especially uh sh- major retailers and malls are are in is that they're trying to to make their to make their businesses more efficient they're trying to do more things on apps and get people's uh you know for like order accuracy you know it's easier to order on your app than it and and then pick it up uh at the counter or whatever but how are you going to complete that experience if people are having a hard time connecting the whole it seems like the service providers have quite a big opportunity there to help retailers private networks complete that circle yeah Yeah, exactly (laughs) Exactly. we've seen a lot a lot of discussion especially you know how you use private networks one 5g standalone is going to be deployed and so on you think about network slicing and so on but i think i think in some cases um and and for transparency our sister companies ekahal and they do deploy wi-fi networks and so on so in some in some instances, there is um, a case for mixing five G with, with with Wi Fi. Not mm-hmm. especially in the industrial setting for enterprise use cases, it, it does make sense because quite often, you know, if you really want to be connected, a lot of time. I mean, we've we've been talking about this connectivity at the moment is 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 the new normal. If you're not connected, you, you're missing out. The cost um, of not being connected is 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 really high. So um, I hear you on. <laughs> not in the connectivity and, and so on. I think there's still a lot to do. And um, I guess one way to, to look at it is um, technology for technology's sake, it's not ever the answer. It is about use cases. So what's the problem you're trying to solve? And I think if operators put that hat on, as in um, what trying, what's the problem trying to solve the enterprise, they're going to be very successful um, and, and we're still seeing a little bit, we still see this missing a little bit, you know, trying to sell connectivity or saying 5G, it, it doesn't really work. You have to sell the solution to a problem. And first you have to understand what's the problem trying to solve. And, and that that's the only only way it's going to work. But um, again, you know, it's, 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 we still have a way to go to, to, to get there. Indeed, it is complicated. Um, I think we can wrap it up there. I do. I do want to put in a quick plug, actually, for the Speed Test app. So if you're if you're in the U.S. and you use Speed Test, it's 
yes, it's about checking how, you know, how you're connected at the moment, whether you have a decent connection, that sort of thing. But the data that they take from that, they can take what kind of network you're connected to, how, you know, what the latency is, the jitter, the, you know, and other network metrics and that bat in aggregate, that data is very valuable, um, in terms of, uh, you know, they can then publish reports that sort of talk about how the operators are actually doing and whether they're actually coming through for their customers. And that, um, that's something that we not only write about a lot, but we also, you know, as consumers, we need to keep that feedback loop going because, um, you know, the marketing messaging is one thing, but how it actually works when you're, um, you know, at a stadium versus a shopping mall is quite a, uh, you know, that that's where it really matters. So yeah, definitely use those, uh, uh those speed test apps. That's a good, uh, good thing to use. Um, let's definitely. see. Okay. And just one last thing. Sure. Data is the new currency. So more yeah. data we have better decisions we can make and more insight we have to just enable to make it better. So Thank you for the plug and go to ukla.com to read some of the articles that we, we write in the publishing. So certainly you know what's we'll happening. encourage that. Uh, the more, yeah, the more, the more, you know, the more the better the discussions we can have. Uh, Sylvia Kashish, thank you so much for uh, taking time to be on the podcast. Good to see you again. Thanks. Thanks, Bill. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks.